This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0 and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. It's our post-UFC 251 show. One day earlier than usual. We usually are up Monday morning, but because of the UFC show tonight, uh, we're going to be up uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning. And alongside me to talk about UFC 251 is Mike Gilbert from the Combat Republic. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, man? Thanks for having me. That was a long night for fighting, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it felt like a WWE pay-per-view. <laughs> That's actually a really good comparison. Uh, so because there were three title fights, and uh, all three title fights um, went into, at least into the fourth round, I think the uh, the uh, the Peter, I don't even know how to pronounce Peter Jan's name, because it's like, Petre or Petre or I don't know whatever he has he has an interesting uh, pronunciation of his name but that fight went into the fourth round and then the uh, the two other fights the other two championship fights uh, went full five rounds so we we were sitting there for a long time and uh, and uh, it, it was it was still good stuff but yeah it was close to like a four hour pay per view yeah it was and I, I i feel like kind of a sissy because here we are on the west coast and boy was it feeling late at like 10 <laughs> like 10, 10 15 so i wonder how the people on the east coast felt i know the poor people watching watching the show on the east coast and um i, I guess i just read this somewhere but i guess in montreal they just decided to like close everything around midnight so they couldn't show the ufc show in, in the bars in Montreal, um, because of that new that new um, rule, I'm sure is related to COVID nineteen. Um, right. But that that was kind of interesting. I didn't know that bars were still showing. I didn't know bars were still open. What the heck? I I didn't think they were open. I, I well, but I I can only speak for the United States. I know most of the uh, areas in our country, at least the populated ones, are all the bars are closed. Yeah, yeah. So that was uh, pretty interesting. But I guess you know. Canada's Canada's doing much better than us, so um, you know. I, I, I guess when you when you are doing a little bit better, it does make some sense to uh, to to do keep some stuff open, but still bars are still still pretty crazy to me. Yeah, yeah, it's weird how in Canada discipline equals freedom, right? Yeah, totally. Um, okay, so uh, before we get to the UFC show, um, just a couple of quick notes. So. 
Um, Mike is going to have uh, you have an announcement to make as it pertains to your website. So I wanted to give you some time at the top of the show to do that. Oh, cool. Thank you. Um, actually, I think you're about to learn this because this is going to involve your website. You and I haven't even talked about this yet. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I hope it's cool. <laughs> but uh, no, so on uh, on my Twitter, at Combat Republic, on uh, Tuesday night during uh, the Impact show, Impact Wrestling on Access, I am going to be holding a contest to give away a free code for uh, the Fight TV app for Slammiversary next Saturday night. And uh, to enter the contest, all you got to do is follow me at Combat Republic and then follow uh, at Fight Game Media, follow both of us, and then just like, retweet the tweet, and just reply with your favorite uh, TNA slash Impact Wrestler of all time. Um, and uh, you bonus points if that wrestler actually likes it or retweets it. <laughs> I, and, uh, and yeah, then uh, I will basically, it'll be picked at random and uh, you'll get a chance to win a, a free pay-per-view. It's a $40 value for uh, uh, courtesy of Fight TV. No, that is a really cool thing. Um, I, you cover Impact uh, pretty closely, so hopefully folks who, who follow you are down. I know people, I know people who follow you know, follow me, love wrestling. So, uh, I hope there are some impact fans there too. Cause that, that, that's pretty cool just to, you know, I mean, free is free, right. You know, to get a pay-per-view, you don't, you know, it's, it's kind of a cool deal with what fight TV is doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I think it's a cool marketing tool that they're doing to try to get the, the word out for some of these lesser known, I guess impacts wouldn't be lesser known, but they're, they're definitely lesser viewed than the, all the other companies. So that's kind of cool to get their, get their name out there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so one other announcement is just uh, I, I tweeted this earlier, and 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 it's we we've put it up on the website. But the New Japan Cup bracket challenge that we were doing on the website it is now over, and officially, uh, I can d- declare S T E Allen. I don't know if he pronounces it as Ste or Ste, but he won the whole thing. He got the final. He got the final match right. He got the winner right, and he had the 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 uh, the turn, the uh, evil turning on Naito, even though that wasn't part of the deal. But he had that whole he had the whole thing laid out, and uh, second place was Justin Nipper, who writes for us, and then third place was Stephen Goodman. So that was a lot of fun. We'll do it again next year, and I'm trying to figure out uh, Chris Samsa, who he's uh, he's like the New Japan stats guy. Kevin Kelly shouts him out all the time on their shows. He and I are trying to figure out if we can do something for G1 that is not just the whole, oh, you know, pick all 150 matches before the first night and see who who comes closest. Like, that is not as interactive as I want it to be. So we'll see. We're, we're going to try to figure something out for G1, and maybe we'll do another, another challenge. Um, okay, and then last thing before we dive in is uh, John and I, after, after Mike and I talk UFC, uh, John and I will uh, do our segment on WCW Saturday night from July 11th, 1992. So actually, what is it, 28 years today? Um, so hang on after after the UFC recap. We will uh, we will do we will put the WCW Saturday night uh, stuff after this. And like I said, this is this is taking the place of our normal Monday podcast. So there will be no podcast Monday, but. On Wednesday, we will have the uh, Rocky Podcast Episode 3, The Eye of the Tiger, about Rocky 3. So 
That is the update here. So let's just get dig right into UFC. Um, you know, I think I think that the big, uh, I guess the big selling point of this show was Jorge Masvidal taking this fight when Gilbert Burns tested positive for the uh, COVID-19. And, you know, George Masvidal, I think, much bigger star than people realized. Uh, and, and he is his own, he does it in his own way. Like, he, I don't think he, I, he doesn't really resemble to me anybody who's been in the sport before as far as just the way he goes about his business. Obviously, he's got a little bit of, like, uh, uh, an attitude as far as, you know how he portrays himself. I've I've always found it to be awesome, and I actually like uh, a lot when he does uh, national media. I think he's really good on national media. the The problem is, and uh, this is kind of the first question for you, which is if we see Jorge Masvidal as a big star, he he was paid. He he got he got the money that he wanted, or almost all the money that he wanted. To, to take the fight originally by holding out and, and being the replacement. But at the same time, I don't know if I would have booked him here because with with just six days in advance, he obviously is not in, in the best shape. Uh, Usman, you know, Usman probably beats him anyways, even if he is in the best shape, though he has a much better chance. And, and maybe losing doesn't affect him at all. It's quite possible that it doesn't. But I look at him as like, you got Connor, and then you have like this distance. And then you got a few guys like John Jones. Um, and I would put Masvidal right with that group of, of whoever the, the, next, the next is. But I always felt that Masvidal had a chance to, to continue to grow in, in that startup and 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 you know you see it he, he in all the media the way that uh you know there wasn't any fans in the building but just the way that people online react to him he feels like something and then he's kind of like thrown to the wolves here to save this show and he doesn't look good at all uh he had a couple of uh flurries in the first round where you know he looked good but he got really tired and usman just dominated him this was like a gsp in his prime performance tonight for usman so what do you think about masvidal you know taking this one for the team but he, you know he also got paid handsomely so i can't say that it was you know just to save the show or anything yeah i mean he, he definitely got what he wanted he got money but if i'm the ufc matchmakers i feel like they wasted a a masvidal fight um they threw him out there and i you know, people that don't know anything about UFC, like my my cousin texted me from uh, Florida. He knows nothing about UFC. He just saw Masvidal and Nate Diaz, and so he wanted to see Masvidal. And now his last impression is Masvidal getting ragdoll for five rounds, yeah. essentially. So um, I, I didn't really think he had a shot in this fight, and I feel like they wasted um, just – you know, an opportunity to really build another, you know, crossover star. You're you're right. When he when he's doing national media, he's fantastic. It's not that he's that well spoken, and he is, but it's because he's interesting and he's got charisma, uh, natural charisma that doesn't just uh, that most people just don't understand, and uh, people just flock to him when the camera shows him and he's in the audience. Just his face alone um, lights up the entire arena. You don't get that very often, so you got to protect that. And, 
And by putting him in there with a, a wrestler, um, the caliber of Usman, and everybody knows that Masvidal's weakness would be wrestling. He has shown that in throughout his entire career. Despite having pretty good takedown defense, eventually you can get to him, uh, especially when he's only uh, had six days' notice. So I, I, I just felt like it was a poor decision on the UFC. I know they really wanted to save this card. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense, though, considering they're going to get paid the same no matter what. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, maybe a, they, maybe a, a, a little bit for their partner. Maybe they did, you know, did right. for, for the ESPN folks. Uh, yeah. And and you know, Kamara Usman, um, he is. I mean, he he's going to go down as as one of the dominant fighters in UFC history before this is all said and done. Like he's he's only thirty three, but he's really right in his prime. Eleven straight uh, wins, or I guess that'd be twelve straight wins now in the UFC. And he's just dominant, like he, you know, he he is, G, what GSP was when it came to just being able to dig down deep and get a takedown when he when he needs it. And um, I, I I don't know, you know, we, we're at an interesting place in MMA right now because, like you said, you know, the UFC is, is is sort of makes the same money no matter what. They're just trying to, you know, put on fights. I guess you can you know sort of you know you can create a little bit more of a casual fan fan base if the shows are great and then you know when the next tv deal comes and then you, you'll be worth more money but uh, you know when it comes to the marketing of their guys uh you see someone like usman who's won so many fights in a row and yet the build-up was not that usman was a dominant champion it was really uh about the other person whether it was burns or whether it was masvidal and i think in in a sport where you know these guys are so limited and, and and the women are so limited in what they could actually do from a marketing standpoint uh i i just really feel like the ufc needs to needs to get behind some of these guys like someone like usman like you know i sh as a mma fan i should really sort of know what his record is and what his win streak is and how many title defenses and you know sort of that stuff and, and maybe that some of that is just on me but i just felt like you know in the pushing of this main event it was much less about usman and it was so much more about masvidal and that, that's probably right but you knew Usman was going to win this fight, so yeah. you know there's got to be something else to uh, to build him up, and and hopefully they will because I think you know even if you know he he's 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 come out of his shell a little bit, but I think he is a little a, a little kind of still under the radar, and uh, usually what happens if you rack up this many wins, then it becomes then the conversation becomes is he the best ever or whatever. So once those conversations start happening, which could be soon. Um, I think I think his profile will go up, and it's it's not like Demetrius Johnson, which for whatever reason he just didn't connect in the way that he he could have or should have. Um, I, I but I do think Usman, you know, he he will he will continue to grow from here. But I just wish, you know, the UFC did a little bit better of a job pushing how great this guy is. Yeah, I think they could do a lot better. But, you know, the, the comparison to GSP, I, I get it a little bit, but GSP was also an elite-level striker. And um, I, there were times in, in this fight where you could tell that Masvidal was just a way better striker than Usman. And Usman really had to rely on his wrestling in this fight. Um, his striking looked great against uh, Colby Covington and Tyrone Woodley, but mm -hmm. that's because those guys are also wrestlers. Yeah, so yep. he's a he's a step above those guys. So if he fights an elite level striker that has really good takedown defense, I think he's going to be in trouble. And who is you know, this that is though? 
I, that's, is there anybody I, I, who, who, who would know. that be, be that person? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of of who that person yeah. could be maybe, as well. Maybe maybe Stephen Thompson. I don't know, but he he kind of um, he fades in those big fights. Yeah, he kind of always comes up short. So um, I, I don't know who that is. I I'm sure he's out there. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I think it's gonna be a while before Usman loses. But you know, after three title defenses, you know, kind of putting him in that category, I'm kind of iffy just yet. I, I don't know if I want to put him there yet, but I, I do think he can get there, but he really has to grow as a striker if he's going to, if he's going to be in that GSP conversation, I think. Yeah. Okay. So the fight was, it, it was kind of what, almost exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is I thought Masvidal had a chance in the first two rounds and he actually got tired much more quickly than I thought because he, he had a really good first round. And then right about like the the minute left, he started huffing and puffing and he was fading and he was kind of, you know, tr- trying to create some distance so that he wouldn't, uh, you know, he wouldn't blow up completely. And that's when I was like, OK, you know, he didn't take him out in the first round. Usman's a really smart fighter. He wasn't going to allow that to happen. Now we're going to get to a place where, you know, Masvidal's going to have to um, you know, come up with something, and he was just too tired. Like he, that second round, you, you could, you know, Usman's like, okay, I'm just gonna hold this guy in a clinch. I'm gonna push him up against the cage, and I'm just gonna hold him there. And my me holding him there, putting my body weight against him, and him him having to have me lean on him, just it just drained him even more. And mm-hmm. you know, there there were there were only a few instances where Masvidal even could get anything off, like. um there was uh, there was an opportunity. I want to say it was in the fourth round where Masvidal kind of, kind of you know, kind of woke up a little bit and and got some shots in, but that was you know it was few and far between. And then in the fifth, you know, at the end he he decided, but like really because of him being tired and and just being so worried about the shot coming, like he he couldn't do anything past the first round. No, he he really didn't have anything for him. It re- reminded me a lot of a Randy Couture performance by Usman. That that's who I was thinking of, especially when he had him up against the cage and, you know, slinging them shoulders and stomping on the feet and just putting all his weight up against him and just draining him. It just really reminded me of an old school kind of like early two thousands Randy Couture performance. Mm-hmm. And uh, I you know I, I thought it was a brilliant game plan. He did exactly what he was supposed to do. And, um, you know, while Masvidal's takedown defense looked great at times, um, you know, Usman was just way too much for him. And, um, you know, taking this fight on six days notice, I, I, you know, some people are saying they wouldn't want to see it again. I I think I'd like to give Masvidal another shot at this one with with a full training camp because, you know, there were times where I thought that, you know, he can probably hold this guy off long enough to get some strikes out and, and not get tired after the first round. You know, um, so I while he didn't look great, I I didn't think that it was one of those performances where I'm like I never want to see him in the ring against Moss or against Usman again because I, I I think I do. Would you go directly to Gilbert Burns or would you have Leon Edwards and Gilbert Burns maybe have a fight to and and from what I understand, Gilbert Burns is is uh, you know he's still he's still feeling the effects of of uh, COVID, so maybe he's not really ready. But what like what what would you do for the next contender? I, I'd go Gilbert Burns. I think he's earned it. Um, and the, the problem with Leon Edwards is, is he's already lost to Usman. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that a, that fight can't happen again. I think that it can. Um, 
I, I think I'd rather see Leon Edwards and Mosfidal go at it, especially considering Mosfidal once gave him a two-piece in a soda um, <laughs> there in England. So I, I, I think there's a ready-made feud there. I think Gilbert Burns had the title shot. He He's looked impressive. Um, I think he poses a, a pretty good threat to Usman. So hopefully this COVID passes through a system and he's healthy in, in a couple of months, and then they, they try to go for that one. Where does Colby, um, where does Colby fit in? Oh man, Colby! I I I don't know. Um, I kind of want to see Col- Colby and Masvidal. Yeah, I I I think that would be interesting. I, I think it would be pretty similar to what we just saw. If mm-hmm. um, unless Masvidal does get that full camp and he brings in a lot of wrestlers, um, you know, maybe they do you know, Colby versus Tyron Woodley. Um, I do know that there's a a, a built-in feud there as well. Um, so, you know, maybe they go there. You know, I don't know, but Col- Colby versus Masvidal, they've been really chirping at each other, too. Um, it, you know, it could be, you know, you know when MAGA powers explode <laughs> on those guys, maybe they can do something there. I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so Usman wins 50-45, uh, 50-45, 49-46. I actually had Masvidal winning the first round, um, but that was it. All right, let's talk about our friends at Bet Online. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for some upcoming UFC fights. They still have three shows left on Fight Island after tonight's uh, UFC 251. Or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back. Bet Online has future odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. Bet online, your online wagering experts. All right, let's get back to Mike Gilbert and myself talking about UFC 251. The uh, the semi-main, I guess is what you would call it, because it was the second to last fight, was uh, probably the one that uh, had the uh, internet up in arms a bit. Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky. Volkanovsky wins by way of split decision. Three rounds to two uh, on two of those cards, and Holloway had uh, one card having him uh, three three to two. I actually had Max winning three to two. Um, I had Max winning um, the first two rounds, and then I had Volkanovski winning the third, and I had Max winning the fourth, and Volkanovski winning the fifth. However, on every scorecard, um, or actually the two scorecards, they had uh, Volkanovski winning the last three rounds on, on those two. And and look, the, I, th- I thought the fourth round was, was close. I thought the third round was close. If someone gave the third round to Max, I'd have been like t- totally fine. But... Um, but yeah, this was a close fight, but it seems like most people had Max winning and thus, you know, whenever that happens on the internet, hysteria go, you know, yeah. people just go crazy. What what did you have? Yeah. 
I, I was one of those people, <laughs> but I, I, I had, uh, I had Max winning the first three rounds. Um, but that third round was, was pretty close. I, you know, I, I put a lot of, I don't put a lot of stock into who gets the most punches. I, I put more stock into who lands the more effective strikes and who's controlling it. And, and I just thought that Max was, I, I, I really did. And I, and I especially thought he was in the first three rounds. Um, the Volkanovski, I think put on a better performance in the last two rounds. I think he really turned it on in the championship rounds. Um, and that's what got him to the decision. But I, I still thought that Max won the first three. So I have the scorecards here. Mark Collett had uh, Max winning the first two and Volkanovski winning the last three. David Letheby had Max winning the first two, Volkanovski winning the next two, and Max winning the fifth. And then um, Clemens Werner had the same score as the first judge. So... I like you know when it when when this thing happens, I'm never surprised because of just the way that scoring works. But I did think that um, you know if you were to score the fight as a whole, Max probably wins. Unfortunately, that is only the pride way of scoring, and I feel a little bad for Max because you know uh, before he fought Volkanovski, I thought he had a, a really good opportunity to kind of break out and be. You know, not not the next big thing, but uh, just his personality, you know, the way he involves his son into his life. I, I thought he could be a really big fan favorite. And then Volkanovski came and kind of ate his lunch. And so this was a little bit of a comeback fight for, for, for Max. And then, you know, I think he probably thought he won. And I, I really want to know what Volkanovski thought at the end of that fight, if he was really going to get the Duke or not. But uh, yeah, you know, he, but it was close. And, and so I don't really have a problem with the scoring at all because the fight was so close. But, you know, if I was to, I, I, and may, maybe I need to rewatch maybe the last three rounds. But I, I thought, you know, I thought Matt, Max was going to was going to get that decision. And I was pretty clear about it. And so I was a little bit surprised when it went the other way. Yeah, and uh, you know a lot of folks were up in arms. I know Stone Cold Steve Austin was pretty upset. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't make Stone Cold mad. No. All right, so the uh, the other title fight was uh, Jose or Jose Aldo and Mister Jan because I cannot pronounce his first name for the life of me. This was Is it a Pietro P- Pietro. I don't know, man. I, I I heard John Anik say it like three different ways, I think. And so I heard he, Bruce Buffer say it like a way that I'd never heard before, so I was confused. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so, you know, what I didn't know, I, not that I didn't know, but um, Yan is just like boxing is his dominant skill. And the way that he fights is very much like if you if you would watch the way a boxer would come into a fight versus the way a, a, a mixed martial artist would come into a fight. Like he's, he, like he is hands first and I, you know, I'll think about a kick, but it's, it's, he's really so dominant with his hands. And I, it was just, this is kind of cool to see because, you know, today's mixed martial artist is so well-rounded that it, you know, they're going to use their hands, but they don't have the same kind of boxing that he does. And he's, I mean, he is, a pretty well-rounded as well, but I just loved watching his hands. I was like, wow, seeing someone with that high of a skill level. And, and that's why he's able to win this fight against Aldo with, you know, usually 
you see uh, the more well-rounded guys. But, man, the boxing was so awesome. I just loved watching him throw his hands. I was almost mesmerized in a sense going like, I don't really care. Like, I'm not even really, I don't really care who wins or loses. Like, I'm just really enjoying watching someone who can throw hands like he can. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe he might be the best boxer I've seen in the UFC. I, I know people are going to say Vitor Belfort, but man, this guy is really freaking good. He's just accurate. He's fast. He's graceful. His footwork is insane. Um, I, I do, I do worry about him against an elite level wrestler. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think he would struggle there. I, I know that Henry Cejudo's fake retirement is probably ending <laughs> any day now, so he's already chiming in on it. So, um, I, I, I would worry about him there, but man, I, I, I agree with you. I really did enjoy watching him go to work today. Aldo, the veteran, the. Um you know, the one of the one of the best fighters in the history of MMA, and he is the the underdog in this fight coming into this fight. Even though he is the more well rounded mixed martial artist, he is the one with the resume. But there was there there there's just something about him coming down and just being a little bit older. But man, you know, he looked awesome. His 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 mm-hmm. physique, he was so ripped, and for you know two and a half rounds I, he didn't look like you know necessarily the aldo of you know yesteryear but he was a, a really good version of what we've seen of late and it's just right when you know we got to the end of the third or so um i thought you know he it just the gas tank just emptied on him and and is a little bit frustrating to see because you know i wanted to see him I wanted to see him, you know, to see if, if, if Jan could could really dig in there against someone like Aldo. But Aldo was the one that that, that fades in the end. Yeah. Uh, you know, man, I really, really like Jose Aldo. I'm, I'm a big fan of his. I've been watching him a long time. And I, watching this fight and just seeing the, the killers they've put in his path and the fact that he's been struggling lately – makes me i i'm one of those people that actually thinks that enhancement fights are are okay <laughs> and i you know can they can he go to wcw 1992 and and you know, wrestle chick donovan or something like that <laughs> you know do they have to continue to put him in here against those guys he just he cuts down to bantamweight they put him in there with marlon Moraes. He loses, and then they put him in a title fight, which made no sense whatsoever. Yeah, um, and he's in there with another killer. Can they can they put him in there with a a bottom bottom top ten, maybe bottom top twenty type of guy, and let him get his confidence back a little bit? Um, I I think I would like to see that. He doesn't have to go in there against the top contender every fight. Um, but Dana White is just he's just glad to go ahead and throw this guy to the wolves, man. I, I kind of felt bad for him in, in the final two rounds or the final or the fourth round there. It you know, it, it looked pretty bad. I, I thought the ref should have stopped it about two minutes prior than what he did. Um, it was it was kind of a brutal no stoppage and and I was almost you know I don't want to get too emotional but it was kind of it, it seemed criminal to me oh, not yeah. to stop that fight you know yeah um, especially I, with a legend in there I misspoke that 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 actually did go into the fifth round I think I said yeah. fourth round earlier it did go into the fifth round um, you know I I thought I thought Aldo was really strong in the first round though i still had uh, Jan winning i thought aldo won the second and i thought aldo was winning the third 
Mm-hmm. And then that's when sort of the wheels fell off. And I thought Jan stole that at the end of that third. And then, you know, by the fourth round, Alto was so tired. Um, I thought Jan won that round. And then, like you said, you know, as we get to the finish, Aldo gave the referee every opportunity to call that fight. And then it was like, you know, he was taking punches, just hammer fists and, and stuff. And the, and, and the referee was like, Aldo, you got to show me something. And after he said it like the third time, then Aldo would like change positions and the referee would say, would, would take that as a sign that he was showing him something. It's like, no, the dude's not blocking and he's not punching back. <laughs> That's the sign that he's giving you. Just kind of let him go out, you know, on uh, 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 without taking too much punishment, you know, the legend that he is. But oof, I don't know how many extra strikes he took, probably 20 or 30 or, or whatever. But man, that, that was brutal to see him take that much punishment. I told uh, our friend uh, in, in the Fight Game Podcast Facebook group, uh, Carla Duran, I, I told her on Twitter, I was like, that was like, you know, the, the, that last round was like Manny Pacquiao and Oscar De La Hoya, except for worse, like just, right. you know, j- just the, the fading legend and, and just taking more punishment than, than he deserves. Yeah, it, w- it was terrible. I hated seeing that. Okay, so Rose Namajunas and Jessica Andrade, this was a really fun fight. And unfortunately for Andrade, it was only a three-round fight. It wasn't a title fight because... She was coming on as the bell rang to uh, to end the, the the fight. Rose' footwork was awesome. She looked great in the first round. Second round, she also looked really good, though. You know, Andrade w- was taking a few because you know Ro- Rose isn't hitting very hard, and even you know Pat Barry is is telling her like, you know, we're we're, we're just hit we're, we're we're just scoring points. We're not necessarily trying to knock anybody out here. So for Andrade. She was able to walk through some shots just to land, you know, one or two. And so that was kind of the strategy. And then by the third round, I think Rose got knocked a little loopy. And as she got knocked a little loopy, her instinct was that she had to survive. And so she was kind of like gritting down on the uh, on the mouthpiece and swinging. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, you're winning this fight. You don't need to do that. You just kind of need to play a little bit of defense here. But I think she just kind of got, you know, that instinct took over. Um, uh, she, she lasted, but you know, at the end of the, at the end of the fight, she had that big old mouse under her eye, her nose was bleeding and she did not look like the winner of the fight, but she did eke out the decision, split decision win three to two, um, or I'm sorry, two to one on two cards. And, uh, Andrade had, had two rounds on, on one of those cards, but, uh, overall I, I liked the fight. I just, you know, sometimes it's a little hard watching, um, like Rose is so graceful. She's almost like a dancer. She she reminds me of like a ballet dancer in 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 you know in the cage. And so when you see her, uh, everything is just so smooth and crisp. And then, oh yeah, we're in a fight. She gets drilled and her face just starts bleeding. So it's kind of an interesting thing to watch. Yeah, I I really did enjoy this fight. I thought it was great. There was a lot of drama in the fight, um, and two very very high level fighters and uh i i think i'd like to see this one again i i know that they they're one and one right now 
Um, and I assume that Rose is going to go for a title shot next. She would be right in line there, um, also being the former champion. But if uh, if they could do this one again, I, I, I think I would really like to see it. And maybe they do it on a TV main event. That way it could be five rounds because I, I agree with you. I think Andrade was starting to take over the fight. The third round was completely hers. And um, she looked fantastic in that third round. She weathered the early storms from uh, from Rose. So, um, yeah, no, I, th I thought this was a great fight and uh, the right person won i didn't quite understand the 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 split decision i i thought it was pretty clear that rose won the first two rounds in fact i, I in between rounds uh andrage's uh her cornermen were, were saying oh no i i think i think we're winning i think we're winning <laughs> and uh I, I said i i think her coaches smuggled crack into the building but um no they actually on at least one of the cards somebody agreed with them so <laughs> i i thought that was kind of crazy but um, yeah it was a little yeah. it was a little unfortunate I, I i almost feel like you know it it is and maybe they're watching this and they're seeing what they wanted to see so maybe that that kind of uh, biases their view but if you want what you want from Andrade is you want her to just throw her ass out in that third round and even if she's got to take punches like like I said she wasn't really getting hurt on any with any of these shots Rose is just you know Rose is is so good with, with her accuracy that she's you know she's hitting her but she's not busting her up she's not knocking her loopy she may be knocking her off guard a little bit but by in that third round what you want is you want Andrade to just take a punch step inside land a hook take a punch step inside throw an uppercut take a punch step inside and throw a power shot and at some point she you know that's what that's what she was starting to be able to do but you know she ran out of time i, I just it's unfortunate that that the you know the corner just makes a mistake like that and and makes the you know the fighter believe that that they're ahead in because it could have played into the strategy in that third round yeah i mean she could have came out like a berserker and just went for it <laughs> yeah you know? exactly yeah. um and then in the opener we had paige van zant who was absolutely sent to the wolves uh in her last ufc fight <laughs> <laughs> she um somebody posted in our group uh, when uh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels sent the um, what was the the cheerleading team the the Spirit Squad. Spirit Squad to OVW, someone said you know they, they instead of saying OVW they need to tape Bellator on it because that's yeah. you know that's probably where where Paige is going, but you know or Instagram. <laughs> well, I mean she's she's pretty successful. I, you know I, yeah. she, she's got a good hustle going on. I don't know. I mean maybe she oh, does have to fight to keep her her fan base high, but. You know, she's got a she's got a good hustle there. She's pretty smart. I ain't mad at it. Nope, not at all. So uh, there was a clear difference here with Amanda um, uh, uh, Hebus. I guess, I guess that's how you pronounce it. Hebus, Amanda Hebus. Mm -hmm. um, just a different level of athlete. Like you watch Paige and you watch the way that she moves. She's a good athlete. Like she can she can put stuff together, but she's still a little bit mechanical like when she she she's boxing. And then you watch Hebus and just like different level, absolutely different level of athlete and very quickly uh she put her stamp on the fight and and Paige would just look, look like she was like, "Oh, okay. I I'm not sure I want to be here. I I'll sort of save face." 
by fighting because she fought hard, but she was just outclassed very early and had to tap out to an armbar, and uh, that was it. Hebus wins and does a great interview, has a great cackle, dancing. Just uh, hopefully, hopefully she can continue her ascent because uh, she's very entertaining. Yeah, I, I was uh, very charmed by her. I thought she was a sweet lady, uh, except for she likes to break arms and uh, <laughs> kick butt. So <laughs> I think she's a good addition to the UFC roster. And I I think that Paige Van Zandt will be a very good addition to either Bellator or One or wherever she goes next. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a natural fight, you know, in, in Bellator for her. And I think that would be pretty cool. Um, but I, I also really wonder what her future is in MMA because... How old is Paige at this point? Oh, gosh. She's probably, what, 23, 24, something like that? Let's see here. Because, um, you know, you, you didn't necessarily see the uh, – she didn't necessarily grow as quickly as maybe you wanted her to in her career because she's been in the UFC since 2014. So wow. she is now – 26 so she's still pretty oh, wow. young yeah but i you know you you saw the trajectory of of her in fighting and you know f- interestingly enough it's uh she runs into uh rose nama Yunus and and you know kind of it was a it was i remember that fight being competitive but nama Yunus, you know just was the much better fighter and then after that you know she went two and three in her in her last five so you know she's probably not going to get too much better than she is right now so hopefully you know she's got plan b and maybe the instagram thing like you said is plan b because uh you know she's had the injuries in the past and she just she just once she went to that next level of 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 competitive uh competitor it was just sort of like okay there's 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 a difference here and and she didn't she didn't necessarily have it so hopefully you know for her she's she's still got stuff going on and i think she'll be pretty successful just because i think she's pretty savvy but maybe not necessarily as a, as a top level fighter or she goes to plan c and goes to wwe hey that that'll work um, they were interested in her a couple of years ago for SummerSlam, but I think UFC had had her booked for a fight during that month, and so they pulled her. And uh, Renee Young did tweet out tonight, you know, she was uh, openly wondering uh, when we would see her in a WWE ring. I think she would fit that world pretty nicely. She's, she's got the charisma. She's got the look. She's obviously an athlete. She's very tough. Um, maybe Maybe she would fit in there. Where do you – where would you see her – um, I want. I wonder what you know. What would you do? What What would the program be? Who Who do you have her face? You know, immediately. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's not she's not Ronda level. You know, um. So you wouldn't want to put her in there with the top people right away. But you know, kind of. You know, Sasha and Bailey. You know, something like that. Maybe do a tag match where she's with a veteran and uh, tags against Sasha and Bailey, and maybe does a single down the road somewhere. But I, I think she would fit in nicely there. But you don't have to put her like right at the very tippy top right away. You don't have to do a, you know, a main event with, uh, you know, her versus Stephanie McMahon or something <laughs> like that. Or, or you know, I, I don't think you give her Charlotte or anything. But you know, something like that. I think that would be cool. All right, before we get out of here, and I didn't watch prelims. Did you? How, did you watch prelims at all? I I saw my guy from Ryzen, um, Jiri. I saw him get the knockout uh, over Volkanovski. Yeah, so that's that was the, cool. that's the only one I saw too, and that yeah, that was that yeah. was awesome. 
But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I had just got in from the park and turned it on, and boom, I saw the knockout, and it was great. So um, yeah, so you know, we won't, we won't. Unfortunately, we don't have anything on the uh, prelims, but. Uh, go to uh, f4wonline.com because our boy Ryan Frederick uh, wrote about the whole show, and he's got all the prelims and everything up there. So if you if you are interested in knowing, check it out. Uh, check out his uh, his play by play. So before we go, just overall, the one of the selling points of this show and the next, I guess, three shows was the fact that they were going to be in Abu Dhabi on Fight Island. Fight Island in of itself as a selling point was pretty disappointing because they were in a really cool looking small arena, but there was nothing like, you know, there, there were no video, uh, video highlights of, you know, people really hanging out in the island too much. You know, there was a little bit, but I thought they could have played it up a little bit more since Dana was using this as, as, as a big selling point for these shows, but they, they went really straight with this thing. Yeah, it's it, it seemed like they were in just another venue, except for they had all the you know crown jewel propaganda during the during the show. Um, so I, I, which I think worked. I, I thought they looked kind of cool at Abu Dhabi. I've never I've never been to the UAE. I've been to that region before, but never UAE. Um, but yeah, when originally in my head, I thought that there was just going to be like an octagon on the beach, mm-hmm. you know, and like there's just going to be people in lounge chairs sipping Mai Tais or whatever they do out there. And uh, nope, it looked just like every other UFC show that we've ever seen. There was a, one of the first Saturday night main event shows I ever saw. I want to say this is 1985, so I'm dating myself. But the reason why I had so much fun watching this show is because it was during the summer. And in between the matches, they were showing some of the wrestlers doing fun stuff in the summer. One of which included uh, them going down water slides. So I I, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm trying to, I I don't remember exactly which wrestler went down the water slide or whatever, but like I was was hoping that they did something like that where you have the talent, you know, maybe you don't have uh, the fighters because obviously they're cutting weight and they're training and stuff. And there is a COVID aspect to this, but, you know, Michael Bisping, you know, in the pool with, big sunglasses or something. I thought that could have been fun, but they, you know, they, they like I said, they, they went pretty straight with this whole thing. Yeah. And the, the slides that you're talking about is when Macho Man pushed Elizabeth mm, down the mm-hmm, slide mm-hmm. as a heel, he was doing a heel move on that. So that's what it was. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. Um, so, uh, tell us, uh, where people can find you and the website and, you know, kind of if you, if you've got any, uh, what's, what's happening on the website this week? Um, well, so I, I am going to be doing some uh, Slammiversary stuff. I'll be doing a Slammiversary preview, kind of, uh, you know, the main event of that show got thrown into shambles mm-hmm. because of uh, Tessa Blanchard. And then, you know, Michael Elgin likes to take funny pictures of his downstairs mm-hmm. area. Maybe he uses Manscaped. I don't know. Um, and send them out to people who don't want that stuff uh, to be sent to them. So the whole thing got thrown into shambles. But uh, so right now they have a... Um, a mystery man going to be uh, taking their spots in their in their main event. So I'm going to be doing some open, baseless, uh, without any facts, uh, speculation on who that might be. Um, so I'm going to have something coming up like that this week. And uh, and that, that's really going to be about it. Um, honestly, Slammiversary, I'm not even going to be watching live because I will be in the Redwoods with no cell phone service for an entire week. Oh, wow. On, uh, yeah, next, next Saturday night. So I will be tagging in a substitute to be watching the show on Twitter 
tweeting it live. So, um, my, my cousin's going to handle that duty for me, but, um, it, it's going to, it's going to be a fun week leading up to it. And then I'm going to be excited to watch it when I get back. Right, so, so do you, do you watch that show unspoiled or when you get back, are you kind of looking at results to see what happened? Uh, you know, it, it really depends. Um, but I'm thinking I'm, I'm gonna, it's gonna be spoiled for me because I have, um, I don't know if you know where Garberville, California is. Mm-mm. It's up in Humboldt County. It's like right up on the border of Oregon oh, and California. Oh, so it's super north. Oh yeah. And, uh, my wife's family goes up there every year for a week, 10 days. And so we're going up this year. They, they literally just opened it back up to the public. So, uh, we, we kept our reservations. I was not planning on going. I thought COVID would destroy it, but it, it did not. So we're going, um, and it's going to be like a 10 hour drive. So at some point I'm going to, you know, the wife's <laughs> going to be driving and I'll be looking on my phone. How can so you I'm, not? I'm, you gotta, you gotta be right. doing something. <laughs> Yeah, so, so I, I would hope that it doesn't get spoiled, but I get the feeling it's going to be spoiled. Like I'm, I'm going to see like Rusev with the Impact title on his waist <laughs> or something like that. You know, something crazy is going to happen. But all right, man. Well, you know, check out uh, check out the website and also check out the Twitter if you want to if you want to get the uh, the Fight TV code for the Slammiversary show. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, fight, fight game media, um, Facebook group members, they, they've gotten some hookups from me in the past, uh, especially even today. Um, I did hook up, uh, another member of the Facebook group with the, the KSW show. He got to watch it for free this morning. Uh, I was running oh, yeah. a contest. I, I saw, uh, I, 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 I saw a couple of people, uh, right, tweeting about it at least. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Did I, you get I to was watch it at all? I did. I got to see the main event, yeah, um, and I know Jason Hagholm uh, was watching it, and then uh, another uh, Steve is another guy. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but um, Steve F. He uh, he he got to watch for free. Um, he I you know posted the contest in the Facebook. He joined the contest immediately, and boom, it was his. So awesome! Um, join the Facebook group, man. We got some hookups in there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Mike. Thanks for uh, hanging out here uh, and. You know, ha- have a have a fun upcoming trip. Uh, the 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 drive may not be great, but at least you'll you'll be kind of you'll you'll be able to get back to somewhat of like a vacation life amidst all this craziness that we're in. Yeah, it's going to be kind of cool not to have cell phone service and not to worry about you know pandemics. Well, we're we're going to be wearing our masks around other people and obviously yeah. sanitizer everywhere. But you know what I mean. We're not going to be you know entrenched with fear for an entire week, <laughs> yeah. and uh, I don't. I don't have to worry about politics or anything. Exactly. Uh, nothing like that. I, you know, nothing like that's going to be going on. My biggest fear in life is going to be mosquitoes. Oh so. man, yeah, that'll be rough. But at least you'll be away, and you'll be able to get away for a little bit. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm 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 actually looking forward to doing not, you know, not not super up north, but after the the wedding that the zoom wedding that we're doing, I think we're going to go down South and rent a, rent a house for a few days or something. So I'll be doing something similar pretty soon. Cool, man. All right, man. Thanks again for jumping on and, uh, let's, uh, let's go to, uh, John and myself talking about WCW Saturday night from July 11th, 1992. All right, John, we are back to talk about the, July 11th, 1992, WCW Saturday Night Card, which is which happens the night before the Great American Bash. And we'll talk a little bit about the bash 
on on the next show. But uh, last week we talked about them pushing the Omni card so hard, and we got two results, uh, two 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 title changes. And we got some uh, some some video of both of those matches. Brad Armstrong beats Scotty Flamingo to win the uh, light heavyweight championship, and then Doc and Gordy beat the Steiners to uh, win the WCW Tag Team Championship. Heading into the NWA tournament, which uh, is at the Great American Bash, which they spoiler alert will win. So, um, <laughs> you know, that they, like you said, they, 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 uh, you know, they were really pushing hard and, um, then they showed us like kind of what happened. And, and so it played out pretty well. I still have a problem with sort of the way that they did it because, um, I, 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 now, now you tell me, you would know more about sort of the, the reasons behind this, but in both of the videos, the uh, it wasn't shot like TV necessarily. Like it wasn't shot like WCW Saturday Night. It's one camera on the floor, one camera, really dark Roman arena, and it did not make me think that those Omni cards were like the place to be. You know, it's an old school way of filming. Like I, I like. I mean, when I was a kid, I. It, I thought those cards were special because of that. Because of that look, you know, like wow, they just because it looked different than the TV, right? So that's why I thought it was, man. I, I really like. I used to love those Omni footage. You know, these were back in the days. Had the hard cam up, and they would shoot down the hard cam, um, and they would show more of the audience in the front row and a little bit. But they, it was all see back in the day. Dusty believed in this too a lot, and Watts did too. And it's. They want to, the lights need to be on the ring and everything needs to be dark, right? Because they want the fans, that, like, if they're there, like, like I see in a movie, that the lights go down, now you're watching the, the, the main attraction. And that's how they kind of lay out their shows. Nowadays, it's different. You want to show that crowd, you want to show those people there. And I know they didn't have a full house there. I know that, you know, that's part of it too. But like, you know, narrowing that, that's that spotlight that 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 shine on the wrestlers in the ring that you know that kind of thing that's why that's why watts did it i think you just talked about that before i remember reading about that or seeing an interview he did okay so um i'm not reading ahead in the observers because i don't want to bias what what we talk about Mm -hmm. so i talked about how i I thought it was a little a, a little um not selling the pay-per-view, but selling the Omnicard hard, I didn't think was necessarily the, the best thing. But um, so this week's Wrestling Observer, Dave writes, looking at things from the short term, this was the ultimate Pennywise dollar foolish decision. Only a tiny percentage of the audience watching nationally on TBS lived within a one hour drive of the Omni and could even attend the show, whereas roughly 30% of those watching those shows have pay-per-view capability and could, if they wanted to, order the bash. Even with all the hype, the Omni crowd was approximately 2,500 in audience and $25,000 gate, roughly the same as the previous card. Uh, So if they, you know, I don't remember if they continue to do this, but if they continue to do this, then it'll be interesting to see if those Omni cards do grow. Um, But for this first one, it didn't didn't really work that well. 
but also, like I said, you know, the product is fairly cold and, and Watts is trying to do a few things to kind of invigorate what he thinks is a really important part of the business. The problem with it is, I think in some instances, he is not seeing uh, the bigger picture, which is the pay-per-view thing, because, you know, a let's say a an average pay-per-view he's probably going to make WCW uh a mi- let's say a million and a half versus trying to get this gate up to 50,000 or 75,000. So it is a little bit, you know, like like Dana White used to say stepping over dollars to pick up dimes, but I, I think there's a there's a longer a longer big picture thing of w- where he just thinks that, you know, we need to make the the we need to make the 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 sport a little bit more popular than it is, and 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 that was one of his ways of doing it. Yeah, and you know, like he said, he's one of his goals. And don't forget, also WCW, the Omni. I believe the person that owned the Omni is somehow worked with Turner, and you know Turner. I think Turner owned the Omni, didn't he, or was part of it? I'm sure he was a had some money in the Omni and all that stuff. So I think it was like also too to help that business out. And the Omni, like I said, for, for Georgia, for, you know, for, you know, before they were national was a big building. It was a historic building. It's like the cow palace and master garden, etc. So I think he wanted any, cause he remember being at those big cards at the Omni, he wrestled on them and he wanted to bring that prestige back to the Omni. And, and also at the end of the year, star K takes place at the Omni. So, so maybe it's just, you know, bringing it as, building make it a little special leading to that and i'm curious to know too how the draw is it went up or i'm gonna say no <laughs> just because they lose a lot of talent you know during this in the coming months you know so we'll see how we'll see how it goes but um uh you're right i actually i used to always think because i back then i really didn't really think too much about it other than being just a tiny bit disappointed that I always wish the NWA stuff was like separate than the pay-per-view stuff, right? More of a television thing because it just kind of ruined the bash ring. The bash was like almost sometimes to me at the time, the bash was for me was a bigger mm-hmm. show than Starcade, right? You had bash 89, which is one of the best pay-per-views of all time. Um, I love 90 it featured a lot of great matches. Um, 91. <laughs> you know, yeah. That was the best, but Hey, my boy Lex Luger won this first world title on that show. So I can't hate, um no that show was horrible Uh, but um well i'll tell you my bash experience which was i thought the great american bash was the coolest thing ever because it was an actual tour yeah yeah and and so you know i'm watching whatever it is worldwide or pro or whatever and you know we're talking like 1987 and all of a sudden i get to see oh oh my gosh like rick flair is defending his title against ricky morton Mm-hmm. And they show like the first thirty seconds of the match, and then they then they then they go then they go off, and then the next week, it's Ric Flair against Road Warrior Hawk. So to me, it's like oh, Flair's got to defend the title against every possible contender, and if he gets through this tour as the champion, he's got to be the best because yeah. he faced everybody. Yeah. And so I used to think that the the bash was so cool for that reason. Now you know, we fast forward five years it's a little bit different uh the way that they they did it uh at this point but yeah the bash was cool for that reason to me um starcade i also you know to me they were i, I guess i i would have thought starcade was a little bit bigger but they were the two biggest shows to me by far yes yeah but for me like as a kid i always just thought 
I always liked the bash just a tad bit more in Starcade. When I used to write my fantasy booking down as a kid, like I my storylines would peak at Great American Bash, not the end of the year, right? I saw not you know, at a Super Blast was my it was my show in the, in the summer, and you know as a kid, and then um, you know when I started booking later on APW and stuff, um, I would uh, well we had some bookend like big shows like Halloween Havoc and Christmas Chaos, so I did book towards the end of the year, but I always had to make sure I had like a big summer show. It was the big matches would would certain big matches would peak at that time because you know the summer I just felt like perfect time for a big wrestling show and it's all probably because my feelings about the Great American Bash mm-hmm. and here you have one really big match that I just really can't wait to see and that's Sting and Vader yep. which I think they did a really good job with but yeah, I just there's wish, a great segment later in the show about I this. just wish they would take this Omni card. And put that as a great bash. And, you know, Steen wrestled Arn Anderson. Just put Arn Anderson in a different match versus someone else. Um, shit, Arn Anderson, Brian Pillman in the opener. Give me that, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I would have been happy because think about that, man. It's a great, there's a great show. There's Dustin, I think Dustin and Barry wrestled some. I mean, I forget the whole card, but, but you know, the, the title changes. It would have been a great show. It is interesting, though, because if you, um, you know, you and I grew up on Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and you would see the results, mm-hmm. at, you know, in, in the back of the issue every every week. And there was, uh, you you would see the results sort of repeated, you know, in in all the in all the things. So I think when I started to see that, I sort of understood that okay, house shows are not as important because basically they're going to give you the they're going to do the same show like for two weeks over the cities or, or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever time frame it was. So by this time, I was pretty smart to the game, but I did want to see certain matches that they would not give you on pay-per-view or on TV. So I always come back to that Austin and Sting match. Yeah. Because, the, you know, I don't... for as, At least as far as I can remember, they didn't feud on pay-per-view but uh but like that was a match that i wasn't really going to see on tv and i wasn't going to see on pay-per-view so i was like okay like that maybe that's what house shows become is these matches that you don't really see on on, on the other shows that you get to see but you know that at, at, at that point i was i was pretty clued in on on what house shows actually were and mm-hmm. i knew that i knew there weren't going to be any title changes and i knew that you know the the champion wasn't going to lose and I guess that's what made this one kind of cool is because they just showed you like two well, championships can yeah. two championships can, and that's, can change hands. And there you go. That's also his strategy too was to bring some, oh shoot, I can't miss this house show, right? Because something might happen. Something major might happen. Like, hey, shoot, this show had two title changes. So maybe I should go check out that show. It's going to be in Savannah, Georgia. Or I guess should go to that show. It's going to be in Norfolk, Virginia. Like, actually, I can't miss it, you know? Like, so that, you know, that's why he wanted to bring some, some, some some excitement back to the house shows and people you know may, may, they don't want they don't want to miss history it's like in like WCW would forever make mistakes with it later on like if you remember you know Chris Benoit and Booker T changing the title over and over again on um, the TV title and like they didn't even recognize that really on television right and so the people who saw it in there is like oh cool we saw a title change but when you don't recognize it on television it just means nothing okay so the NWA tournament. The singles tournament is going to be held in Japan. That is upcoming. When does that actually happen? August is the G one. Oh, that's the G one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's like it's a 
It's a, uh, not the G1, it's a round robin as a single elimination. Right, right, right. Um, and then uh, also, uh, Watts has now banned baby faces and heels from flying in the same airplane which in some cases has made a tough travel schedule that much tougher with the faces and heels alienating, or sorry, sorry, alternating weeks in having to take the early flights out of town. Uh, the reason given wasn't kayfabe as much as the fear that if everyone was on the same plane and it went down, there would be nobody left to wrestle. So, <laughs> so now, wow, the billion to one odds of that happening are doubled. So Dave didn't really buy that uh, excuse. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's that's a little much. Oh, Bill. All right, so still love uh, him. Let Let's get to the card and let's get to the show. So yeah, Bill so. Bill opens up with a little bit of a, a like a soliloquy and he basically says WCW is real mm-hmm. and all of those other places with the cartoon antics you know we don't do that stuff here so that was I liked it but second match in I had a problem with it and we'll, and we'll get there okay sure opening match Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes who are in this uh, tag team tournament that they're going that's going to happen on or continue in the Great American Bash against Ricky Morton and Tracy Smothers. And I was expecting a little bit more of a competitive match, but we didn't really get a competitive match here. It was it was uh, Ricky Morton getting beat up for, for most of it. Uh, in, in this match, Watts describes the difference between WCW rules and NWA rules, which is this NWA tag tournament and the NWA singles tournament are going to are held under NWA rules. Um, And yeah, I thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive. Ricky Morton eats a bulldog to lose the match. Yeah, this, this match was, was good. I I, I liked that too. I liked that. It wasn't, it was like not a squash, but it was like, you know, they're the baby faces were dominant. They're going the tournament, of course, um, the heels, they got offense, but they weren't bumping the baby faces around. And it was a short match, and I thought the creative finish with the Bulldog was awesome. And I, I'm pretty sure that Tracy's, like I said, Tracy's soon to be going to Smoky Mountain. And I think Ricky hangs out a little bit longer. I think he might be. So I think both these guys are, are gone soon. So that's why they, um, you know, they didn't really, you know, featured as much in this match. Uh, we'll talk about another guy, too. Same thing. All right, and so this is where I mentioned uh, that I didn't necessarily uh, understand Bill's uh, attack on the cartoon antics because Johnny B. Bad is in the next match against George South. And so Johnny B. Bad is clearly a cartoon character. He is, you know, Little Richard with, uh, with muscles. And they're talking about Johnny B. Bad in this match, and they're describing his appearance as a uh, not not a tough guy. Mm-hmm. And it was it's almost like Watts is kind of resenting that the fact that he's got to you know utilize this this type of character. And I'm sure that you know Mark Merrow in general would have he he probably Bill Watts probably could have done something with a version of Mark Merrow, but it seems like he's kind of frustrated that he has to have this kind of character. In his company, uh, Johnny B. Bad wins the match with uh, with the left hook, the kiss that don't miss, puts the lips on the uh, cheek of George South. But I just thought the the way that they described the character, both Watts and Jim Ross, uh, was kind of interesting. It, it wasn't in a, in a very positive way, that's for sure. Well, weren't they saying like you know he, he uses this as like 
to give the, the opponent like a false sense of security, like this guy is going to be a sissy and a pushover and I'll be able to destroy him. But then he's actually like accomplished boxer and athlete. And, and they really talked about his boxing credentials, which we needed the great, the great, my people, Robert Silva. <laughs> yeah, I know. Talk about some Mark Merrow boxing. By the way, if you're, you're out there, go to the Fight Game Media website, read his greatest fights matches man i'm like dude i want to watch i want to watch uh ken norton versus uh larry holmes, holmes dude yeah dude i, I got I, I never seen it i've seen ken norton leave but i've never seen that match so so the great robert silva when i saw when i saw mark marrow and johnny bad and his boxing i just kept thinking about those articles yeah no <laughs> and, and, and i'm putting up uh I think number 15 should be up by the time people listen to this. And, and if you're not a boxing fan or maybe you haven't listened to boxing in a while but, or maybe you're kind of out of it, but like just read it because not only does Robert do a great job of just describing the action and the drama of these boxing matches, but he also, my favorite part of it is when he always talks about his dad. It just brings that, you know he has passion for boxing, but just brings that love into the article. So my boy Robert Silva, Love you, man. You know, that is the one thing about boxing, and I think it's very similar to baseball. Like, you hear a lot of stories about baseball, sons and fathers. Boxing is very similar in that way. Lots of sons and fathers uh, watching boxing together. Uh, but, yeah, Robert, he, you know, his pops was... Uh, a gigantic boxing fan who got him into boxing. And, and he's always talking about how his pops would sort of really kind of, you know, we, we call the website the fight game because there's stuff related to the sports that, you know, maybe a little bit of show. And his dad fully could see through a lot of that stuff when he was he would describe the fights to Robert. So Robert has a, a very good BS detector himself, I'm sure, uh, learned from his dad. You know, a lot of a lot of boxing is pomp and circumstance, and 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 it's oh, yeah. really trying to sell something that you know may not be re, may, may not be a, w- what you think. And so and so you know, Robert, Robert does have that. So I got to find out if Mark Merrill was really a gold gold glove champion. I don't. I always thought maybe that was just a bunch of hype, but maybe he was in in the New York. I mean, area. I mean, he he, de- he he can throw punches for sure. Like he, yeah, that he, dude. That I love that left hand. I mean, I mean. I, and of course, you know George Sal, who was a really good worker, like took that took that thing like a million bucks and made that thing look beautiful. So they show the video of of Brad uh, beating um, Flamenco or Flamingo, and you know that side Russian leg sweep. <laughs> oh my god, God, it's poetry I, emotion. I want to. I you know that that just watching that move, I just want to see more Brad Armstrong just to see him do that move every time. Awesome. Brad just glides in there. Like effortless, effortless, effortless. What did you think about his promo? Um, I thought it was good. You know, Brad's not a bad promo when you give him something to talk about. But like, when he went out there, he's not his dad. His dad is like my one of my all time favorite promos. You know, he's definitely top three with Lawler and Steve Austin. Um, I mean, and The Rock too. Of course, I have him up there. You know, they're all great. But like, you know, Bob is just phenomenal and then brad's not bad i've seen him cut really good promos on like i watch a lot of footage i watch you know uh, old stuff and he when he has something to talk about he gets into it gets fired up uh, i you know I, what i what i liked about this was like i missed the lock the the realistic locker room right like they're in a lot they're in a realistic locker room he just had his match he's sweating he's a he's a the microphone and the cameras on him i just missed the simple simple promos like this 
they also show the Steiners and Gordian Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Clash, you know, they took out Scott's leg. Scott, I, from what I could tell, I mean, we didn't see the match, the full match. From what I could tell, Scott was uh, his leg was not bothering him. Uh, Rick kind of comes in a little bit early to break up the pin, uh, but they still count the one, two, three on Scott and yeah. uh, Gordy. The finish, and the finish was good. It could have been really good, but uh, I'm guessing uh, Terry Gordy forgot to take out Steiner. So, so cause you know, he comes in, you know, Steiner, Scott Steiner hits the big Frankensteiner on, uh, no, he hit on Terry Gordy. And then Steve, Dr. Earl Williams hits the ropes and just clotheslines the hell out of, uh, out of Scott Steiner while the referee is trying to get Rick Steiner out of the ring. And, but, but as the referee turns around to count the fall, this is when, um, Steve Williams needs to come out and knock down Scott, Rick Steiner. So it, 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 you know, poor Rick had to look like an, an idiot by not breaking up the pin because he knows that's the, this is the finish, right? So mm-hmm. didn't really go, go off the way they really wanted to. But I mean, the I love the Frankensteiner. The Terry Gore took that great, and then that clothesline by Doc looked awesome in the cell by Scott Steiner. And then we had a match between Beautiful Bobby and Michael PSAs. So this is second week in a row. P.S. Hayes is uh, in a singles match. Larry Zabisco on the call. Beautiful Bobby wins with a swinging neck breaker. And that's two TV losses in a row for P.S. Hayes. Yeah, man. Uh, You know, shows the respect they have for Bill Watts to, you know, he's going. I mean, I I know Hayes sticks around because, but his back is thrashed. And I I think he um, ends up, uh, you know, he ends up becoming a manager for a short period of time. So this was, uh, you know, he's on his way out and he's doing jobs. And I mean, I can't believe it. I, I think if anyone else, Michael Hayes, P.S. Hayes, the Jim Hurd is not let, getting this out of him, right? But a person that he you know, made him drew a lot of money with in the Mid-South area, he's going to do this for Bill. So <laughs> we get more Barbarian and it's a very quick match, two weeks in a row. Uh, this time he beats Randy Stallings. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if the, I don't know if it was the same big boot as last week, but I, I sort of feel like he didn't get the the, the foot up as high this week. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't look as impressive uh, the yeah, big boot yeah. finisher. Yeah, yeah, it was this this was not as good as last week for sure. Uh, we get Greg the Hammer again in, <laughs> in an interview spot. Jr. calling back to the last week where he did not like what Valentine had to say, and Valentine had nothing interesting to say again right before yeah. this match. Take uh, two, and why do we take it? <laughs> <laughs> you got Valentine and uh, Dirty Dick Slater against Flying Brian and Big Josh. So, a couple, I thought a couple of things about this match when I'm watching it, which is, you know, obviously Big Josh comes from before Watts, which is more of the, they were trying to create these cartoons characters, you know, yeah. Big Josh and Johnny B. Bad and um, the Diamond Stud and PN News and all those people who came right at that time. And I'm thinking, like, Matt Bourne has got to just be, like, Valentine and Slater get to be themselves. Why do I have to be, like, you know, the the big Josh guy? Because he fits in right with those guys as far as just, you know, being a veteran, the kind of style. Um, And I just just thought, you know, maybe he was, like, you know, he wishes he probably could have could have just been, you know, Matt Bourne, you know, wrestling in in normal style. Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of old history with... uh Bill Watts and Matt Bourne. I, I think Matt Bourne really didn't uh, do himself any favors when he was working for Mid- Bill Watts in Mid South a long time ago. I think he that the 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 
you know, they, they, there's, there's a split there, right? You know, to make dates and all that kind of stuff. So, but Watts, when he took over WCW, who's there, right? It was uh, Big Josh, Matt Bourne. So I, I think it was you know, Big you know, Matt Bourne that said this in his interview, or maybe, yeah, I'm sure it was. He said that, you know, like he knew his days were done when Bill Watts showed up. And one of the first meetings that Watts had, he talked about like ring gear. He's like, everybody would wear, everybody would wear in wrestling boots, right? There won't be, you know, silly other, other, you know, everyone had wrestling boots and then Big Josh looks down. He's like, I got these, you know, worker boots on, so I'm out. So in he, and this is, this is um, one of his last few matches he has in WWE because he, he definitely is, is out by the next few weeks. And so, um, what'd you think of the match? I'm curious to get your thoughts so, on this one. It, it was interesting because the entire time I'm, I'm looking at at the four guys in the ring and I'm like, okay, Valentine and Slater, they're vets, right? Like they're they're kind of like gatekeepers in a sense. Big Josh is kind of on his way out. He's he he's the odd man out here, and the guy who should get the the shine here, who actually has potential, is Brian Pillman. And so I was just like, you know, I, I'm just waiting for Pillman mm-hmm. to have his moments. And he has a couple of small moments, but I've to me, not enough. And, you know, the, there was the long sell for, for Josh. Then they finally get the hot tag. Then there's an even longer sell for Pillman. And then by the time Big Josh comes back in, uh, you know, he's kind of he kind of does the dumb baby face thing and loses. And I'm just like, oh, man, like. I, I fully expected Pillman to kind of, you know, be 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 the one to shine here, and and he, I didn't think that uh, that he got much at all. Um, you know, I I really enjoyed this match, and I really liked the psychology around it. I liked, um, you know, the, of course they had two heats, first Big Josh, but then Brian had that long heat, right? He's taking it and uh, fighting back, but also kept getting cut off, kept getting cut off. They built to that hot tag really well. Like those fans are just dying for Brian Pillman to take the tag because he kept getting close and he looked like he was going to do it. I thought for sure, I thought for sure it was going to be, you know, that the old baby face spot where they're like on their hands and knees and crawling. They're kind of crawling their mm-hmm. legs to get made a tag. I thought for sure that was going to be it. But no, Valentine grabs him by the trunks and pulls him back. And then they're, they're back to Slater and Valentine was a really good team. I know it's, you know, really old school, slow, methodical, but like they had really great you know, tag team psychology. I love the builds to hot tags. And finally, Big Josh did get the hot tag. The crowd went nuts. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> um, the, you know, the Valentine and Slater, you know, aren't as spry as they used to be. So the feeding for the big the big comeback by uh, Big Josh was just kind of <laughs> like, just stop, start, stop. It's just kind of, you know, then Slater finally took that nice backdrop, but... Um, I thought the finish was good. I'm glad Big Josh. I'm glad Big Josh lost. Um, I mean, I was uh, I was wondering that. I'm like, I know he's gone soon. So, yeah. So I was, I was happy with it. I, 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 the 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 vet move that I appreciated the most is um, when when uh, Josh. I think it's when Josh finally makes the tag out to Pillman. Pillman does the house on fire thing, and it's Valentine's in the ring and uh, Slater's outside, and Pillman throws a drop kick. Uh, on Slater, and instead of Slater bumping to the floor, he kind of does this thing where he sits his feet um, and his arms on the rope so that he can't fall back. 
And I was like, wow, he didn't, you know, he didn't really sell it. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Cause he's, he had to come back in the ring and take more abuse from Pillman. So he couldn't mm-hmm. go to the floor. No, no. So, no. so uh, yeah, I thought that, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it was, I don't know. I don't know how many newer fans would appreciate that match, but I, I, I did. I thought I was, I was, it was pretty good. The next match is the one I did not appreciate. <laughs> which was Nikita and Ricky the Dragon against Boomer Lynch and Dude. John Peterson. Oh, my God. These guys are supposed to be in the NWA Tag Team Tournament. And John Peterson is getting these lazy arm fucking punches on Nikita. Even Bill Watts says it. Like, if you're going to pitch a hit a guy, don't do that wet noodle up there. I'm like, ugh. What's going on here, man? There, there's also this weird shot in the crowd. Like, they, they go to a crowd shot. And there's like some kids dancing. Did you know? Did you notice that? Yeah, there's a there's a botch. Yeah. What? what okay. So that's what it was. Because I couldn't even. What I couldn't tell is, was that even that crowd, or did they just throw that video in, and it wasn't that crowd because the 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 um the lighting or whatever was even off. It, it could be. It could be just old crowd. You know, crowd shots that they get. They probably splice that in there. But something happened in that double team spot at the corner opposite ends you know and there's it was that weird stupid sunset flip end up being but like we got the tail end of it so i mean usually when that happens there you know that it's something just so bad that i can't even show it so the finish is steamboat winning again with that reverse <laughs> knife edge which yeah. is the you know it's it's a pretty lame finisher like you know it, I think everyone gives Steamboat the benefit of the doubt because he's so great, but just that as a finisher. I mean, you have Nikita. Just like, give the sickle. I right. Know. Like, yeah, like just yeah. win with the sickle. It's it's more impressive. And, you know, I came out of that match thinking, I can't imagine they could beat Gordy and Doc if, if they had to face mm-hmm. each other. And yeah, also, the other thing right. is that I don't think that this show did very well is they didn't really explain the matchups for, for the great American bash and the, with the rest of the quarterfinals. Yeah. Just that quick little, uh, video package, but it wasn't like, it was like, just, just here's the matches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, not in, and then you explain that really that right. Doc and Gordy got a buy and cause they already had won their second round match at the clash. And, but yeah, this match, um, you know, I always appreciated Will Watts is he always liked competitive matches even in the squash matches like the guys were will kind of get a little something will we'll actually throw some amateur wrestling in like there's a struggle it wasn't just beat but job up unless it was like a vader you know something like that it's gonna go in there and smash or terry gordy but like here like i mean john peterson or whatever like shouldn't be like working over you know steamboat in the corner right um you know boomer what's his name boomer Boomer Lynch. Boomer Lynch, who looked like should have been in the 70s wrestling era or 50s wrestling era, 60s, but like, you know, like he had something, but I mean, maybe he, I can see him kind of putting some, maybe some, because he was a big guy, big burly guy, bald head, and, you know, looked like the, a classic, you know, old school wrestler. But John Peterson guy, it was like he's, you know, like no muscles, you know, pale. Um, and he's just working over Steamboat on the corner. It, it went too long. It should have been quicker. It should have been the same length of the Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham opener. Then we got the great buildup to Sting and Vader, uh, Jesse the Body, and uh, Eric Bischoff, a very young Eric Bischoff. 
do a little segment uh, just to discuss the match. And, you know, this is the main event of the Great American Bash. This is the match that they're needing to sell this pay-per-view. And Vader comes off as uh, uh, just a monster dropping dudes on their heads. Do that powerbomb. Oh, my <laughs> God. And then Sting is, you know, Sting's the ultimate babyface, right? But I thought what, what I thought was interesting is I remember the build to this match. And I remember thinking, like, you know, if Sting loses, he's sort of like not not Hogan, right? Like, like Hogan would vanquish Vader like that. That's just how WWF would do it. Like, you know, Hogan's not losing to this guy as the top baby face. And I was really wondering like, okay, is Sting going to be Hogan or are they going to go the route of the heel badass heel champion? And, and, and that's what they did. And it, you know, it was a little bit of a, a little bit of a, um, cause you know, I, I liked Sting. I, I wasn't the, 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 biggest Sting fan, but I really liked him. My, you know, my buddy Edson was the huge Sting fan, but I was just like always, you know, you always do that little comparison, you know, Sting, Hogan, you know, who's the best baby face. And I always kind of took that as like, okay, like Sting is not Hogan because Hogan would have won this match, but they sold Vader so well, like a killer that I'm watching this thinking like, oh wow, Sting's going to beat the baddest dude ever. And I already know the finish, but I'm thinking in my mind, like my own wrestling psychology, like they're building Vader up so well. So when Sting beats him, he's like the greatest, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. the best guy right now. But they didn't actually do that. They had, you know, Vader's going to win this match. No, I mean, they're, you know, they're building uh, for, well, for Ron Simmons. They're building towards, uh, you know, even if, you know, a building a top heel for the guys to chase, which, which, you know, I appreciate, you know. So yeah, they, I, that match is very important to me. That that I mean that 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 match that at the Bash Paper influenced a lot of my booking, um, some of my biggest booking decisions I made. So this whole kind of time period actually fits a lot of the things I wanted to accomplish in this book. And I kind of took some things from this era and applied it to my booking in um, 2008 to uh, 2012 and APW. And I thought it was interesting that the the way that they have Harley sell this match is he's going to talk about Vader. But you know, Super Invaders just hanging out with him, <laughs> like no yes, big Ben Vader. I, I, I know, I know. I, that, yeah, yeah. Her, good old Hercules Hernandez, all, <laughs> you know. Um, and there's weird looking mask, so you wouldn't tell who he is. But we yeah. I can always, yeah, I, yeah. It was obviously, it was definitely a, obviously a pre-taped interview. Yeah, and yeah. I'm sure they would. But you know what though? It was like that interview was so strong by Harley Race that I wasn't even paying attention that Super Video was there for that long. You know, after that. Uh, and then, you know, we got a really impressive squash match with uh, Ron Simmons against Mark Canterbury. So everything Simmons did was athletic. It was heavy. Like, it it just felt like these two big, gigantic guys, and Simmons just moving this dude like he's nothing. It was it was pretty impressive. Yeah, Mark Canterbury, the future uh, Shanghai Pierce, the future Henry Godwin. Yeah. No, but he, I mean, you know, he, he, he's a, he's a big dude, big man. And, and Ron is just like, you know, just doing whatever. And, and Ron throws a great, great drop kick. Oh, dude, that drop kick was killer, man. Right in a perfect shot in his chest. Um, Power slam looked good. I always liked Ron Simmons' intensity. I liked his, his, the way he was just, uh, his explosiveness, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I really enjoyed that. Well, he's a real athlete. He's a legitimately great athlete. Um, and then we get the main event, which is uh, Sting versus Diamond Dallas Page. 
it, it was a it was a it was a squash match as well. But you know, DDP. The thing that I like, DDP is deceptively large, dude. Yeah, very big. And um, but the thing that I liked about this match is. I, I don't know if I ever like thought of DDP as necessarily like a good athlete, but he's like, he's doing stuff in this match for sting that I was like, wow. Like, you know, because he's not a young dude at this time. He's probably in his like early to mid thirties at this point. And just, you know, much, I, I was just impressed with DDP in this match, you know, doing everything that, that he needed to do for sting and, um, the the kind of the the thing that I didn't like about this is they're trying to sell, uh, I think it's a, a Nature Boy Buddy Rogers passing away uh, yeah. as a way to get people to to get to the wrestling hotline. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not not necessarily about that. Yeah, but they, they they tease, they did a tease of that, like oh, a, a legendary wrestler passed away. They didn't say his name, but then Jim Ross says it later, which is yeah, kind of weird. Uh, a little little bit of little bit distasteful, but you know. You come out of this match if you're if you're a big Sting guy, you're like, wow, Sting won a great match heading into his pay per view. Um, you know, they talked about oh, you know, Sting courageous taking this match right before you know the show. So, but he did it for the fans. He did it for the fans, right? Yeah. He likes to perform for the fans. Great, he's he's a great baby face, and you know, heading into heading into the bash. So, uh, overall, you know, still fun show, and uh, I, I'm I. I'm gonna have the Great American Bash on in the background mm-hmm. while I work this week because I I remember watching this pay per view. Um, Are clear, we doing a next episode? Of I mean, we, we, we'll, we'll just we'll just yeah we'll we'll, we'll, we'll just talk about it when we can so talk I about say, the bash in the beginning. That's three hours, so I say you have to watch Sting Invader, right? Yeah, of course. And we should definitely watch the finals of the Tag Team Tournament. It, it's the the undercard is just going to be kind of going on in the background. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But I, I want to watch those matches and just kind of get the feeling, and then you know it'll lead into the TV for for the next show. You know what I dug about the main event was uh, the finish. I love that the DDP taking the Stinger Splash was backed uh-huh. towards inside uh-huh. the ring. Like that just looked brutal. It probably was, but he's like, you know, let's do something cool, you know, do something different. And well, and it's easier for him to fall back, fall back into the scorpion, the yeah. scorpion, so that he doesn't have to get turned over the other way. So yeah, and they give people's perspective, like you know, DP just started wrestling or training, I think, in 1991, mm-hmm. right? And where he is in the pecking order, as some people will now, no newer fans, like, oh, DP, one of the greatest, right? But here, he didn't even get a mention on two stings wrestling. He was no. wrestling later tonight, the whole show. Yeah. Never mentioned he's wrestling DDP in the main event, though. You know, but, you know, DDP has always been a personal favorite. I mean, not my top 10 or anything, but just the fact that his drive and passion, like do, starting wrestling late, working himself into being a really good worker. Um, I, I always I, I always have a special special place in my heart for DDP. No, I, yeah. He, yeah and, and plus, he's such a self-promoter i get a kick out of him oh yeah and anytime he shows an AEW, i just crack up well just when he tells stories you know when he Mm -hmm. tells stories i kind of think of like okay this story is probably like 60 percent right Mm -hmm. and there's 40 percent of ddp just you know going in into business for himself but it's his ddp and you just he's just entertaining guy yeah, he's gonna sell uh, doors door to door. You know, like he's gonna, <laughs> <laughs> he's a salesman. Uh, okay, so uh, that that is it. So first, I want to thank uh, Mike Gilbert for uh, doing the uh, UFC recap. 
Uh, also, thank John for uh, you know doing doing this show, and you know you know we're, we're we're recording two shows a week this week, so you know it's 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 a lot of work. So appreciate you kind of digging in and 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 hanging out and and uh, doing all this stuff. So for Mike and John, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.